Hi, and welcome to the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Schill, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. And I'm David Averbach, CEO and Publisher. We got some new devices from Apple yesterday. Apple sent out some press releases about new iPads and a new Apple TV. So we're gonna talk about that today. Uh, unpack all of that for you. Uh, and also talk about the always-on display. We have some follow-up information about the always-on display on the iPhone 14. And I have hands-on experience because I now got my iPhone 14. Donna now has her iPhone 14 Pro. And uh, those of you who are regular listeners may re- notice that we are a day late in recording this podcast. The reason is we sat down yesterday to record the podcast and literally as we sat down to record it, we got a notification that the Apple store was down because they're updating it for all the devices. So we delayed for a day so that we could cover this for you guys. So that's why we have all of the new stuff for you guys today. Yep. Uh, I was glad David picked up on that when we did. Otherwise, we would have an out-of-date episode. It would have yeah, been very sad. Yeah, the timing was almost perfectly wrong, but we'll say the timing was perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to share a tip today that is sort of a follow-up from last episode. We did a hands-on review with David last week of his iPhone 14 Pro Max, and I didn't have mine yet at the time. I now have mine too, so I'm going to talk a little bit in this episode about my experiences. Uh, but David had given me a warning about the always-on display, yeah. which is that it's actually pretty cool most of the day. Um, it's nice to see the widgets on your lock screen, to see the time. But at night, it creates that, like a weird glow in your room that you don't want. Um, so we looked into it a little more. We actually just put an article up on our website teaching people about this because like <laughs> everyone with a new iPhone 14, I think, is complaining it's about this. It's a legitimate problem, especially because like I was talking about in the last episode, most people, including myself, are now using wireless chargers. So you, your phone mm-hmm. is either face up or vertical when charging. So your display is just shining bright and it's kind of like an unwanted nightlight. <laughs> yeah, it's like staring at you all night yeah, and you can feel the glow. Exactly. Um, so there's, t- there's a few workarounds. First of all, Apple designed uh, focus modes. Many of you know what that is. I can also link how to set up focus modes if you don't already know. But they have a sleep mode that's meant to address this, and that automatically turns off your always on display once you have sleep mode enabled. So Apple was thinking of us. They (laughs) (laughs) anticipated this problem, but I don't know that focus modes have really have like the adoption rate that Apple would want it to. So I think like some people don't have a sleep mode or don't want to use sleep modes. It wasn't the, the most intuitive that the solution was to turn on sleep focus mode. I mean, yeah. once once we talked it through in the last episode, I was like, yeah, of course. But it didn't occur to me right away. And I I use focus modes regularly. So I think that probably a lot of people it, it wouldn't occur to. So it's an important tip. Yeah. So if you want to enable it, you go into settings, focus. And from there, there's a preset sleep one if you can tap you can tap on that to enable it and once enabled it automatically does this for you you don't need to like go in and add a toggle for always on it'll just do that you can set it on a schedule which i recommend so that you don't have to remember every night to go turn on sleep mode like i have mine set for 10 p.m to 7 a.m so that i just don't have that light on during that time that's what i do Um, it also dims out uh it it doesn't show you notifications during that time as well um so that's sort of a mixed bag, especially if you have it on a preset schedule and like say on the weekend, if you have it still set on the weekend, you might want to get your text like past 10 p.m. You can also turn it off for the weekends. But um, I did want to also share a- another workaround, which is that if you turn on um, low power mode 
using control center that will also disable oh, always on oh i didn't know because it's like this. a battery saving tip so that's a nice little extra hack if you just want to do that manually every night go into low power mode and you won't have that unwanted nightlight well and that's a nice hack too because there may be times in which you want your always on display to be turned off when you're not sleeping because sleep mode like you're saying has a whole host of ramifications it really transforms your phone into not being very usable (laughs) yeah it like darkens the whole display yeah it turns off your notifications but like if you're let's say you're in an important business meeting and you don't want your notifications to be showing your screen to be on this is a good workaround yeah and also you can just if you don't like always on you don't have to have it at all you can go into settings yes. display and display and something um let me pull out my phone so all of these workarounds are for people who do want always on display but want to temporarily turn it off in certain situations right yeah so if your display and brightness is where it is if you don't like always on at all go into display and brightness and settings and then you can just toggle off always on altogether if you are a hater so (laughs) wow so judgments are applied uh so i know we're gonna get into this later but i can't help but ask how are you liking always on display because we were very i was a hater i was a hater yeah you were a hater prior to getting always on display and now i'm sort of lukewarm on it how do you feel about it i definitely don't feel like it's a feature worth buying an iphone 14 pro for yes but I like it. I'm not going to disable it. I think it is nice um, to be able to see the time. It's just like one last thing you have to do, which is just tap your phone to wake it up to see what time it is. But it's just there. Um, I would say that I've I've kind of switched over to to like being used to it and liking it. It's just really that nightlight um, workaround is what's make is kind of sealing the deal that I'm OK with it. But really, like that, at first, when you were telling me about it last episode, I was like, oh, no, that sounds terrible. Yeah, I I agree. I actually have an additional complaint now for Mm, it after having been hands on for a little while. And that is that part of what I thought I would like about it is that widgets and um, especially the, I can't remember what they call them now, the dynamically updating widgets. What are the, is there a name for them? Live activities. Yeah. I, th- I thought that it would be nice to have that always on my always on display. But in reality, the always on display goes into a mode where your phone is a little bit dimmed and you can't actually interact with the widgets. And I'm pretty sure I have to like double check this. But I actually had my first experience with a live updating. What, sorry, tell me one more time. What's so called? live activities? Yeah, because oh. someone shared their uh, they shared their they were on a trip coming back and they shared with me when they would arrive. And it stayed on my screen, which was nice, and it it would update periodically. But when my phone was in the always on display mode, it would not update. Oh, so that's kind of like less less functionality. Yeah. And I also keep having it happen to me where I'll be like listening to a podcast and I'll go to, say, skip forward or pause it or something. And it won't react because always on display is not actually responsive. You have to wake it up. So it's oh. a little misleading because you'll have to like tap on it once to wake it up and then tap on it again to get the widget to interact with you. So that's interesting. I hadn't realized that yet. I mean, the time is an exception to that. The time yeah, will update. The time, yeah, the time will update. <laughs> this is true. Um, and I'm, you know, I, I haven't quite spent enough time to figure out exactly what is updating always on display and what is not. But it's not a fully functional display. And there's some things that I would want to be functional that I thought would be beneficial to me that seemed to not be. But we're still a couple weeks in, so I'll have more as we go along. That doesn't totally surprise me. In general, I've um, 
I haven't really been using widgets that are supposed to be automatically updating because I found that they don't. Like, for instance, um, find my friends. There's like a widget you could put on your home screen, but it's not. It'll be like you tap on it and then it'll tell you where that person is. It's not going to actually like show live on your screen. Yeah. Um, it does seem like Apple is conserving battery and like, you know. It makes sense, these makes sort of sense. trade-offs. Uh, the other thing, too, is it, it's not surprising because it behaves how it behaves on an Apple Watch that we've had always on display on for a while, where basically the always on display was useful to me on my Apple Watch to see the time and mm. nothing else, really. Like, in order to interact with the widgets, I really had to wake my Apple Watch up. Um, I guess I can see some of the widgets without them waking up, but in general, I'm waking up my widgets. I'm waking up my Apple Watch to interact with my Apple Watch. So it behaves the same way. I think these are trade-offs. I think always on display, like you said, it's a nice feature. It's not bad. It's just not really a big deal. And there's some trade-offs within the feature. And therefore, it's probably not worth upgrading for. But like you said, you and I both have it on. So clearly, yeah. we don't dislike it. I, I've been using it to see the time and also I've put like a bunch of weather widgets on my screen which also don't really need to be updating every second um, like I can see the high and low of the day whether it's going to rain wind speed like, like those <laughs> kinds of things I will glance at yeah um but uh, yeah Donna after the last episode <laughs> something about me keeping an eye on the wind speed is track funny that wind speed man <laughs> gotta have it on always on display need instant wind speed data <laughs> shut up David <laughs> after the last episode speaking of making fun of Donna after the last episode Donna and myself and a few of our other co-workers mm -hmm. all added our um affirmations to our to our lock screen <laughs> which I also need instant data for and yeah. don't get so that's sad but we just keep taking screenshots and sending to each other these ridiculous affirmations that we've been getting i know i'm <laughs> curious if any of our listeners have like since i've been talking about the i am app i feel like a lot lately i'm curious if any of you have downloaded it and what you think because it's definitely a mixed bag it's in my a mixed butt. bag there are some affirmations that feel like oh that was a nice reminder and other times where it's just like funny or an eye roll and then i'll send them to david and Raph uh, yeah i'm gonna see okay see this one i would put more in the eye roll camp I am taking my life in my own hands. <laughs> Good job, David. Yep. I am affirmed. <laughs> and uh, it's a high of 49 and a low of 23 today. I don't have no. wind speed. I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> could be better. could be worse. Um, okay. But I we really want to give. Weeds. Yeah, we're in the weed. I really want to give one of our listeners credit. I feel terrible that I just shared the um, control center tip without giving credit to Trish, who emailed us to let oh, us know that. Oh, okay. Um, so thank you, Trish, for writing in. I love it when all of you let us know um, cool things you've discovered that we haven't, that we maybe didn't yet. So I think that's one that a lot of you are going to enjoy. So next up, I wanted to tell you about our premium subscription. iPhone Life Insider is our premium educational platform that teaches you everything you need to know about your Apple devices. So this is for people who are enthusiastic about Apple tech and want to join a community of other Apple enthusiasts and really get the most out of their Apple devices. We have over 14,000 subscribers now. Thanks to all of you listening who are already subscribers. Um, if you go to iphonelife.com slash podcast discount, you can claim 30% off for being a podcast listener. So the types of thing you get when you join Insider, you get live online courses on topics covering different Apple devices. Also, of course, the new iOS. We have in-depth guides um, that include step-by-step -step video tutorials and a downloadable PDF. You get a digital subscription to iPhone Life magazine, including our full archive of over 30 past issues, video versions of our daily tip, 
So you can follow along on your devices and watch as you go. You also, of course, still get the written version with all the screenshots. Then you also get, this is a really great feature called Ask an Expert, where you can personally message one of our Apple experts and get help with any technical issues you're having with your Apple device so that you never get stuck. And you also get an ad-free version of this podcast with bonus content from me and David. And I, we have a lot of exciting content coming out. So we've obviously been talking about our iOS 16 guide a lot, which if you are an insider, make sure you check it out. And if not, it's worth subscribing just for that. But also with the new iPads coming out that we just talked about, we're going to release an iPad guide. It's going to be completely updated for iPad OS 16. And we are going to teach a course on Mac OS Ventura, which is coming out, I believe, this week. Yeah. So lots of new content to keep you updated on all of your operating systems, not just your iPhone operating system, although we will make sure to keep you updated there, too. Yeah. Rumors say October 24th for Mac OS Ventura. Okay, um, next we, week. Know, we have people beta testing um, it as well. But yeah, we're really excited for the course. The iPad guy is going to cover Stage Manager, which is a really cool new feature on the iPad that I think all of you are going to love. So definitely stay tuned for that. I am very excited. The thing I'm excited for Ventura, this is silly, but I'm excited to be able to edit texts on my Mac because it's so annoying that now with iOS 16, I can edit and unsend texts, but that that doesn't work on my Mac. Yeah, I hate that. And you see like the extra notification that says like you edit it, which is just not, it's kind of a clunky experience. It's like supposed to be seamless across both. And as of right now, it's it's like is not. And that drives me crazy. Yeah, agreed. So go claim your 30% off. Go to iPhoneLife.com slash podcast discount. And it's an additional 10% off for seniors, service personnel, and health professionals and teachers now. We had a teachers yes, and teachers. teachers. Yes. So make sure to check it out. Um, we have an insider question. This is a kind of fun one that I wanted to share with all of you today. And that is, how do I extend my ring time? We got this question. Okay. Um, and this is not something I'd ever really thought about, but like a lot of times I do miss calls. So it's kind of, I could see it being useful to extend your ring time. Um, Bonnie wrote in ask, asking this, Bonnie Farmer. And our response was, uh, which I like researched too, because I was like, what? There's no way to do this in the settings app. You actually have to contact your cell provider, but it is something that you can do. So you can see, extend it. I didn't know you it. could do this at all. Yeah. So you can extend it um, by like 20 or 30 seconds. Um, so you have to call your service provider, but there's an easy way to do that that I wanted to share with you. It's just you um, dial 611. I was going to say that's actually a bonus tip in here, which is super useful, which is if you want to call your, your carrier, you can just type 611 as opposed to having to look up the number of your carrier. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, already that feels prohibitive, uh, prohibitive enough that I wouldn't want to do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But that could be a handy tip for some of you. I agree. We also had some fun uh, comments from listeners last episode before we get into the new iPads and Apple TV. Um, I picked one out from Susan. She, uh, you know, last episode we talked about some of the essential gear that you need for your iPhone 14, whatever iPhone 14 you got. Um, so Susan was sharing some of her essentials. Um, I have a Zag screen protector because it has a great warranty. Um uh, when my husband left his phone on the bumper of his truck and when it fell off, only the screen protector was damaged and the phone was fine. We can both totally attest to the fact that like screen protector is the most important thing that you can buy for your iPhone. And I can attest to this exact phenomenon. Inevitably, by the time I am ready to trade to a new iPhone, I have a cracked screen protector and my screen is okay. Like I crack every screen protector I've ever owned, if I'm being honest. But I've never 
knock on wood, cracked my screen since starting to use a screen protector. Yeah, same. and I learned that the hard way because <laughs> I did crack a screen, and that was before before we updated to OLED. And so back then it was like you know 100, 150, but now it's like two fifty. Yeah, to it is not screen. cheap. So you don't want to risk that. It's also just a huge pain. Um, Susan also said she uses an Apple Wallet, so this is one of those um, like MagSafe clip-on wallets that are you know stick on magnetically connects to your uh to your iphone case she says i love my apple wallet far more than i originally thought i was going to i carry three cards in mine and i'm able to use a much smaller purse so um that's in response to david and him sharing that he loves his apple wallet and and i'm actually impressed because i carry two cards in mine and when i find i put three in it's like really tricky to get it out so sounds like susan's a pro at like finessing the getting the card out of the wallet you you said two i find two works better Mm. um but yeah in a pro this is like a super niche tip but for people using the apple wallet this is noah credit goes to Noah our coo for this tip if you have the credit card face out so it's uh the numbers are kind of lined up with the slot it's a lot easier to slide the cards in and out it's a mm. weirdly tricky to get these cards in and out of the apple wallet it's one of my complaints of it uh but if you have the credit card face so that the 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 numbers are where the slot is to slide it in and out it's a lot easier so there's probably like five listeners right now that are being like oh wow that's great and everybody else is lost so let's move on <laughs> yeah because they don't care like because you have wallet. to have an apple watch to be really appreciate an apple wallet to appreciate that tip but yeah. it is a good one if you have one so susan will like it yeah um susan also says medication tracking for me is awesome i needed to give uh, my doctor a copy of all my medications so she's able to do that now i also really love that it reminds me to take my medicine even with reminders that i was still forgetting to take it also want to share she says she's been an insider for years and only just recently started listening to the podcast and doing the ios 16 course i think you all do a great job thanks so much susan Thank you, thanks susan. for being an insider um seems like a good time just to throw in my uh gear recommendations since susan was writing in sure. about that um i just have been using the smartish screen protector smartish has a two-pack and it's only 15 dollars. i saw this um and it like has just like one of those nice application kits and like a QR code to a short video tutorial that shows you how to put it on, which I found myself needing because a lot like even with all the steps, I'm a visual learner and it was just easier to watch the like two minute video. And you really like I can't stress enough that you really do have to read the instructions carefully. Otherwise, you're going to end up with like bubbles and a misaligned screen protector and it's going to make you not enjoy using your iPhone as much. And it's like, if you do it right and you don't drop your phone a bunch, you could have this on for like years. No, I've had both experiences where, first of all, I really recommend finding a screen protector that has has a kit for setting Mm -hmm. it up because it helps you align it. I've had both experiences where I've set up correctly and had it for years and been happy. And I've had other ones where I've had like pieces of dust in there and just bubbles. For like two years and it I drives know. me insane looking at that same piece of dust yeah. for two years so <laughs> but if you do like follow it step by step it's unlikely you'll get that yes. and, and mine applied very nicely you, you and just, it was just so cheap smartish offer like you know i don't know if it's the best out there it is still tempered glass though i was going to um, ask what is the glass quality and whether because it scares yeah. me how cheap it is it, my impression is that the nicer glass quality is a little more expensive but Agreed. I mean, tempered glass is sort of what we've um, what we've stood by as being our like, if you have that, you're probably doing okay. Okay. 
but it's like you still could be better to get one you know like there's a lot of extra features that some of these more high high-end screen protectors offer um siri is listening to our conversation right now <laughs> siri has um, big opinions other thing is david recommended spec presidio cases last week that's also what i went with i tried on some casemate ones um they were also nice too um but i just wanted to bring up again the whole issue of magsafe and casemate has some magsafe ones in general the companies that have been sending us cases it's been kind of uh only some of them have magsafe and some of them don't yeah. And I'm kind of disappointed that MagSafe just isn't like universally in cases now because I, I need MagSafe. I think I think it'd be very silly to get a case without MagSafe. So I agree. I don't know why they're making them, but uh, that's something that and it's often in the fine print. Like it's not something that case manufacturers are putting front and center. So when you're looking at a case, make sure you check that out. Yeah, I've also and been happy with them my Presidio. have that ring on the back of it, so you'll see the visual indicator. Like, yeah. It's kind of a strange thing. I kind of wish it didn't have to have the ring on it. Oh, but they have don't to... have to. Mine doesn't. Oh, really? Yeah, All they... of the ones I've ever tried have had the ring. It has to. The ring is nice because it helps you line it up when you are doing it. All of them have a ring on the inside. So I'm for some oh. reason deciding to show you guys right now. But um, <laughs> there's a ring on the inside as you're charging it. See? Like that. Oh, I see. I'm holding it up. Uh, but the, you don't have to have it on the outside. But okay. the reason most do is that it is convenient when you're trying to dock. Because without it, I'm always sitting there kind of moving my phone up and down right. on the MagSafe to try to find where the magnets line up. It will lock in eventually. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I actually I agree with you and prefer cases that don't have it. Yeah, just visually it's not the best. Yeah. But um, yeah, get a tempered glass screen protector and get a MagSafe case. Yes. I don't, I, you know, Spec is great. Casemate's great. A lot of these companies are great, but I feel like those are, you know, you can't go wrong as long as you have those two things. Yeah, and Nomad is another one, which I enjoy. It has kind of nice premium leather, which looks a little nice. Although I, with my Presidio case, I've been pleasantly surprised. They added some little details, some accents that make the case look kind of nice. I've been happy with it. Yeah, I like that. Um, so let's talk about the new iPad. Yes. And something I forgot to mention at the top of the episode is that I am planning to buy a new iPad. And so I wanted all of you and David to help me decide which one to buy based on like, cause now there's so many iPads. It's Apple so Apple has released so many iPads at this point. Yes. And it's hard to know which one to get. They have different display sizes. Some of them use touch ID, some use face ID. Um, they have different levels of camera, also really different chips at this point. Like you yes. can get the M2 chip, the new iPads have the A14 chip. And so I'm really trying to figure out what it all means and which one I should get. So we're going to, First, talk Dive about all the new in. iPads and then compare it a little bit to like what are some, you know, the iPad mini, the iPad Air, et cetera, et cetera. So um, yesterday, Apple came out with a press release that they have a new 10 inch iPad. So that's just like the your basic iPad, but it has it's redesigned. It has the edge to edge display to, you know, it's not quite as edge to edge as others, but it doesn't have the home button anymore. And the reason why Don is stumbling over the name is because <laughs> they didn't add any modifiers. So it's literally yeah. just called iPad. So that's why it's a little confusing because we have. So now the lineup is we have iPad, which is in the 10th generation of iPad. Uh, iPad Air and iPad Pro are the three we're looking at. And yeah, so to and let's... And iPad Mini. Oh, shoot, and iPad Mini. So the <laughs> one, I and this is actually, I think, got the biggest update is iPad. Yeah. Uh, because like you said, it, they, it used to have a button. It was one of the few remaining Apple devices that had a button, which is now it's a edge-to-edge -edge display. 
uh, and it updated the chip to the A14 chip. Um, and those that was, I think, largely it. it has Touch ID now. It has Touch ID in that top button mm -hmm. instead of, yeah. So that's that's significant. The trade-offs, just to get into some of these oh, trade-offs here. Oh, it has okay. Which is, I don't know that anybody has big opinions on that. Um, but the trade-offs, it only works with the first-generation Apple Pencil, not the second-generation Apple Pencil. Yeah. And it's um, also the biggest trade-off, which is obvious, but it's a A14 chip. Yeah. So your iPhone, if you have an iPhone 14 Pro, runs in a 15 chip. So not only is it not an M1 or M2 chip, it's actually a generation behind. So it's by design their budget iPad. We should have mentioned that up front. It's 449. It starts at 449. iPad Air, which has been out for a while, is 599. And then we got the other iPad that was announced, uh, which is the iPad Pro, sixth generation. And has the M2 chip. Yes. So that's probably the most significant change in terms of like the iPad Pro from the last generation. Uh, it also has an upgraded camera. Mm -hmm. um, so that feels noteworthy. <clears throat> but I think like just in terms of looking at um, the iPad 10th generation versus last year's iPad 9th generation, what I'm struggling to figure out is just like how much faster is it going to be and how much better is the display going to be? Because I right now I have the iPad ninth generation and it's really slow and the display is not very nice. Yes. Um, and oh, it doesn't the, okay. have the edge to edge display. So in some ways, I'm like this new iPad 10th generation, it has a lot of the things I was missing. Like it has the edge to edge display. It does have an upgraded processor, but is it fast enough? And is the display better enough? Because the iPad ninth generation was just a retina display. The 10th generation is liquid retina, so it is some improvement in the display. And then the chip is A14, whereas um, whereas the last one was A13. So I, I was curious just to like start with that. Uh, David, what do you think in terms of speed and display, if there's like a big enough improvement to make the iPad 10 gen generation a pretty good choice? So my, it's hard for me to talk about that in, in isolation because I think you kind of have to look across the line. Yeah. Uh, as a, so when the iPad Air came out, which was in the spring, I sort of made the statement that I don't know why anybody would buy an iPad Pro because it was weird because the iPad Air had all the same had essentially the same specs as the iPad Pro, but was cheaper. The only difference is the screen quality. Um, so now with the M2 chip, Apple has clearly differentiated the iPad Pro from the iPad Air. Uh, and the iPad, in my opinion, it's the budget one. In my opinion, it's really for, I don't, I don't know that I would recommend the iPad except for for budget solutions i think it's great for schools a lot of schools are using ipads now it's a very functional device but it has the enough limitations and a14 chip still feels like i don't know that i think i would recommend it what do you think i mean i think that my biggest concern is just the speed um my current ipad is really slow it lags a lot and like the display has that kind of like tinny hollow look to it instead of like the really rich color that i have on my nice new iphone and well so, you should have it, it's not oled but it is an improved display which is nice yeah but it's not um 
It doesn't have the promotion, which the iPad Pro has. I'm trying yeah. to see, does the iPad Air have that? The iPad Air does not. Mm. So the, they now the iPad and the iPad Air have the same display. Also, okay. just as a side note, because sometimes when you do these comparisons, I know it's an audio format and it can be a little hard to follow. If you would like to look at what I'm currently looking at, and I always recommend doing this when you're trying to compare devices. If you go to Apple's website and you go to iPad, and this is the same thing for Mac or iPhone, there's a compare. And then you can look at the different models and they give you a grid to compare and contrast. Because we do our best to help you guys keep up with audio, but I know that some people are visual and need to see this. Yeah, I you know I wish there was a way we can make it really simple for all of you and just tell you which iPad you should buy. But really, my opinion on this is like you kind of do need to come look at the comparison charts and think about what you're using your iPad for and figure out what makes the most sense for you because there's like a lot of pretty compelling offerings now. I agree with you, but also I am willing to go on a limb and tell you which iPad to buy. Okay, let's hear it. for you, Donna, and for our listeners, I still think that the iPad Air is the right trade-off. Okay. Between hmm. price and functionality. Um, the difference, so, okay, I'm going to do, let's just sort of one more time compare each of our items here. But the difference between the iPad and the iPad Air is the A14 chip versus the M1 chip. But that is a huge difference in processing power. Okay. That I so think, that's like the, what this recommendation hinges on, it sounds like. The, yes, I think you were, will, will enjoy the processing power of the M1 chip. And also, especially for future updates, the A14 yeah. chip is like, by the time you're running iPad, I have an iPad. I tend to keep my iPads about five years. It's not yeah. like an iPhone that I update every year. And so by the time you're running iPad OS 20, the A14 chip is just not going to keep up. No, you're so right. Because that's a mistake I made with getting the ninth generation is I was like, oh, I just need like a basic iPad, whatever. But already updating to ipad os 16 it's so slow and i'm hating it so i kind of set myself up to already be behind so i don't want to do that again. and the ipad just by definition for most people mm -hmm. is sort of a luxury not a necessity because we all have phones yeah and if your phone is faster than your ipad it's hard to be motivated to pick up your ipad and use it yeah or if you are trying to use your ipad as a laptop replacement which i don't recommend for a lot of people but if you have no, i'm not going to do that but, but for some people if you just facetime check email you might want to do it especially then then you want a more powerful processor anyway. Um, so that's my first comparison between the two. And really, is that the, is, would you say the processing speed's really the only reason you would say get the iPad Air over the new iPad? Because I'm not seeing any other reason. It's really functionally the same device. The same display, the same yeah. touch ID in the top now, the camera. Well, I guess the, um, the new iPad has the FaceTime camera in a new location so you can do it. It's they said like it, it makes it sound on FaceTime calls. You're looking. It makes it look like you're looking at the other person. It's placed in landscape mode instead of at the top. Oh, interesting. Um, which I'm not sure if the iPad Air has that or not. I'm just yeah, I don't care. Right now. I mean, I'm also don't it seems know that I like care that much thing. about that. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny, like they kind of build it as being like revolutionary. People in the office were, you know, snickering about that being like, ooh, you moved. A new location, <laughs> landscape You moved mode. it where it should have always been. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just to finish this comparison, iPad mm. is 449 iPad Air is 599 So I'm kind of recommending everybody spend bucks. an extra 150 bucks to get a better processor is essentially that math. Okay. The final math here is to compare iPad... Uh, they did update the iPad Pro. Oh, 
Okay. Interesting. The iPad Pro versus the iPad Air? Yeah. Is that what you're going to say? But I'm looking now, and I believe that the iPad is the fourth generation. Do they only update the 12.9 inch? No, no. They, the oh, iPad okay. Pro okay, 11 cool. inch they have. So that you can get for $799. There we um, go. So you spend an extra um, 200 bucks. So it's an extra $200. For the M2 processor. For the M2 processor. And the big difference, so the big two differences are the M2 pro, three differences. M2 processor, the this has a uh, liquid retina display motion with promotion. promotion technology. So and promotion's pretty cool. Promotion's cool. Basically, what it is is it it's a higher refresh rate, which makes everything feel a little smoother as you're interacting yeah. with your device. Like more responsive. More responsive, and it also um, is great for watching media like movies and things like that uh is a liquid retina display micro led i'm trying to see here um they all have the same liquid retina display so it's really whether you want promotion or not and then m2 chip is obviously much more powerful than m1 chip but it's not twice as powerful i think it's like 20 or 30 percent more powerful and an extra 200 bucks like not insignificant yeah for some people it's worth it i mean it's gonna be it's definitely better the third thing though it's like eight hundred dollars for an ipad it has a a nicer camera which i am on record saying that i just don't care about an ipad (laughs) camera i never go take photos with my ipad now some people might and then you'll appreciate that i am not one of those people in the announcement apple was showing people like doing pro video editing on their ipad and shooting stuff and i'm like that that's doing nothing for me personally Mm -hmm. But for people who want to do that, seems compelling. So I think there's some like the iPad Pro is nicer. You will enjoy it a little bit more. But I think the iPad Air just has the right balance of price and features for most people most of the time. And that's where I'm breaking it down. I would recommend I guess I would actually go farther and say unless you really want an iPad and just don't want to spend the money like budget is the only reason to get the iPad, which is obvious, but what I'm saying is I don't really recommend getting it for most people. If you can afford the extra 150 bucks, I think you'll be much happier in the long run. And I think the other part that I'm point I've been making a lot this year is you have to think of the value of the device down the road. I think that the iPad Air and the iPad Pro will retain its value. And even though you're spending more up front, you'll probably be able to sell it more when you're done with it and keep it longer. So I don't I think that $150 will be worth it to you. So that that is my recommendation. What do you think? So just to throw another wrinkle in it, I think you're right. I I'm convinced to not buy the iPad 10th generation because I don't want in a year or two to be really sad about that. It's so slow because I'd had the A14 chip. So I'm not going to do that. And you've helped me like that was like up in the air before this episode. So I've decided that. But I am debating between the iPad Air and the iPad mini because the iPad mini has the A15 chip and um. You know, so I'm saving some money on it because it, it it would be um, $499 instead of $599. So I'd uh-huh. save 100 bucks on it. And I think it has pretty much everything I need. It works with the second generation Apple Pencil. I don't really need it to be a bigger display. Um, the only thing that I'm not sure about it is it, it, ha- it works with Bluetooth keyboards, but it doesn't work with the new smart keyboard folio, which works with um, the iPad mm. 10 generation and the iPad Air. And the thing with that is it has a trackpad. 
And that's really nice. It is really nice. And I mean, the other thing we didn't mention, because I don't tend to use the Apple Pencil, but the iPad 10th generation doesn't work with Apple, the second generation Apple Pencil. Yeah, which to me is kind of a mixed bag because I have the uh, Apple Pencil first gen. So oh, like if I get the iPad Air, doesn't that mean I need to get the new Apple Pencil? Like I don't even know if the iPad Air works with the first I gen. I actually don't know. Yeah. So, so I mean, to me, iPad mini just comes down to, I mean... You, A15 chip, the M1 chip's still going to be better, yeah. but also it comes down to how you feel about the smaller display. Like, I have the Pro Max on my phone. Which is six and a half inches, right? And to me, going six from six, inches, I, I think it's 6.7 inches. Yeah. Going from 6.7 inches to 8.3 inches, it's not, a, I will never use it because I'll just use my phone, which I have all the time. The night, to me, the main reason to get an iPad is a bigger display. And you know what? I'm actually coming around because I was like 8.3 inches, which is the iPad mini. I'm like, I think that'll be big enough. But I actually use it to proof our issues in the magazine. And it's nice being having it be big and not have it be like hard to see you're and strain gonna, my I eyes. You're going to like it. And I do think with the iPad Air, if it's fast and it has a nice big display, like I'm, I can imagine myself using it to watch um, shows sometimes and to like... You know, or just like if I'm looking up a YouTube video, doing recipes, because right now I want to have um, like a living room slash kitchen iPad. I think I'll use it if it's like fast, has a big display. Whereas right now I rarely use it because it's slow. The battery's always dying. Oh, that's the other thing. Battery. Yeah. That I wanted to talk about. Okay. Um, so I think I'm coming around to the iPad Air. I think you're right that the iPad mini, not only is the display a little too small, but um, also the A15 chip is still like significantly worse than the M1. I believe it is. I have not seen comparisons, but I believe it is. Yes. And so Oh, they have comparable batteries that I would think with the M1 chip that it would be a lot better, but um They I mean, they're both ARM architecture, so they they're both very much designed for battery life. Up to 10 hours. Mm -hmm. So not, not too bad. So can I admit something to you that you're going to you're going to judge me for? Yeah. After all my talk for the iPad Air, if it were me, I think you're gonna get the pro. I know I, you're, I know you're gonna come I'm around. I'm gonna to get this. the stinking pro. Because David, I'd like is, to yeah, have the you, best. You like the I, best. I will spend every time I looked at that iPad Air, I would know there was a better iPad out there that I couldn't, that I didn't have, <laughs> and it would haunt me. The one that got away. <laughs> the one that got away. So this is where a lot of That's it is so like. Funny. I think the trade-offs are right for the iPad Air, but if you can afford it. I'm not going to judge you for getting the iPad Pro because it's it is nicer and you will enjoy it. And to me, iPads, honestly, they're not essential. They're about a device for you to enjoy. And yeah. so I don't know. <laughs> I undermined my whole case, but I had to admit it that if I get it, I would get the iPad Pro. By the way, did you get the Apple Watch Ultra? No. Speaking of getting no, the most premium things. I didn't because I, the, that was premium in a way I didn't care about. Okay. I have the last generation. I think I have the I, Apple Watch 6 and I'm really happy with it. But everybody who's gotten it in our office loves it, just for you all to know. Everybody is loving their. We should get somebody on to talk about it. People love it. Wait, so just recap one more time. Yeah, we should. Um, Sarah maybe would be a fun one. Yes. Why do you say the iPad Pro besides just get the best? Uh, the the nicer display is is the biggest thing, and the M2 processor is better. Like it's a better they differentiated enough to make it worth it for me, um, but I don't think they differentiated enough to justify like spending the money. In other words, I I am a true enthusiast, and I get excited about it, and I would just feel like a bummer to not get the nicer one. But I don't think I think for most people they don't need it. Especially here's my case against the M2 chip. I know I'm talking on both sides of my mouth. 
I don't believe in an iPad is a computer replacement. I don't think that's going to be good for most people. And so I don't think you need an M2 chip. Like um, Donna is sitting here using her computer for work with an M1 chip and is totally fine. Yeah. The M1 chip is totally fine for an iPad. You don't need an M2, but I want it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm just an Air girl. I'm thinking of getting the iPad Air. I love my MacBook Air. Maybe that's just the line for me. You know what? Honestly, though, because I've been making a lot of computer recommendations for people lately, and the Air to me is the same for the MacBook Air. It's the same sweet spot. It's yeah. the right trade-off. For most of, people. For most people, it's the right trade-off of price and features. Mm -hmm. I, Apple is sort of, they, have, they tend to have a budget, which I think often is not enough. And then they have the Pro line, which I tend to buy because for my computer, I need it. And for... Uh, and I just am an enthusiast, but for most people, my recommendation is the air for both the Mac and the, uh, and the iPad. Yeah. I think I'm coming around to that because really the iPad air, you get a lot of value for, um, 600 bucks. Yes. Can I tell you something else that I would do too? This is gosh. up your storage. Well, uh, I, well, let's look at the storage probably. Uh, I would up my storage. You get the 128 gigabytes as your base level, which is not that much for the Pro. What's your base level? Because this is something that we actually sometimes fail to look at. Now the 128 is the base level for both, huh? Yeah. Okay. No, this is another recommendation. Oh no. Okay, so this is interesting. The base level for the iPad Air is 64 gigs, which isn't enough. Ooh. So then to upgrade, you have to spend 750. Whoa. Which is actually, I'm glad we caught this because if you're spending 750, then you might as well just get the iPad Pro. Well, this is changing things this for me. This is changing everything. So the iPad Air 64 gigabytes is $600. And 64 gigabytes, like now even <clears throat> base level iPhones are higher than That's that. That's actually embarrassing. Like I, Apple, I can't believe Apple did that now that I'm looking at that because yeah, even the iPhone starts at yeah, like 128 with, gigs. Between like my podcasts, photos, like I, I already have like 128 gigabytes on my iPhone. I think on the, on the iPad, I would want at least that much too. Okay. I don't even know if 128 gigabytes to get the base iPad Pro would work for me. I, I, I don't know that I disagree. Like I, I got the 256 gigabyte iPhone. So, okay. Wow. We uh, <laughs> took you all on a roller coaster. Sorry, guys. So I think I will stick with my recommendation in the sense that if you are doing light use, the iPad Air is still fine. Some people, 64 gigs is enough. Uh, but you, you probably are going to be not, in the um, you're probably going to be in the situation though where you're going to start managing photos and managing podcasts yeah. and stuff like that, which is Oof. like it's not fun, especially for a device which is sort of like you don't use it every day and yeah. you don't want to invest in maintenance. But one thing I will say is that um, I might not even turn iCloud photos on on my iPad That's because what I, I was don't. Wondering. I'm not going to take photos on it. I'm you know not going to. I don't think I need it for like photo viewing even really. If you Although, are not loading photos on, yeah, I'm texting on it, and you want to send photos and podcasts, like there's a lot of th d files that take up a lot of space that you don't need on an iPad. So I, th I think that was probably their thinking. Yeah. But I would rather not think about it and just spend the money on the storage. Yeah. So basically, you would spend nine hundred dollars on well, the two hundred fifty-six gigabyte And I'm getting ready to say something Pro. else too, and I feel so embarrassed because now I'm just telling you to get the most expensive thing. I love having cellular. I love it <laughs> i cannot tell you how much i love it whenever i'm traveling i'm always find myself in airports or in like hotel lobbies or places where i need data and 
I can't connect to Wi-Fi or they're trying to charge me 20 bucks for Wi-Fi. I've so many times been grateful that I got the cellular model. So you're saying spend $1,099 on the 256 gigabyte Wi-Fi plus cellular iPad Pro. We're I, really taking you all for a ride. I think what I'm saying is that I started out saying I can make a clear recommendation and now I can just... I don't think it's clear. I think yeah. the, we can break down the trade-offs for y'all and then you guys need to make your own decisions. Yeah, for me, the cellular is not a big deal because um, I want my iPad to be a home iPad okay. that I just use in the house and have stationed there. So I'm not going to go that route. Um, now I'm really torn between whether to get the Air or the Pro because of this storage situation, mm. though. And I think, I don't know, David, what should I do? I think we're going to have to report back. Yeah, we're going to have to report and back. And this can I'm be our question. I'd love to hear what you, uh, what you all are thinking in terms of your iPad purchases. Send yeah. us an email, which one you're getting, if you're getting a new one, or if you're not getting one, why? Uh, podcasts at iPhoneLife.com. I think I'm, I'm going to have to think between now and next episode a lot about what I want to put on my iPad and how much storage I really need. I Because if I don't sync my photos, it might be fun to get the 64 gigabyte, but it's hard to imagine. I've gotten so spoiled. I think you're going to end up with the Pro. I, yeah. I just, I think you're going <laughs> to end up with the Pro. I'm sorry we'll to, to break back. this news to you. Yeah. Um, anyway, email us at podcast at iphonelife.com with what you're thinking. Before we move which on. Which one you think I should buy or which one you're yeah. planning on buying. <laughs> Please help. We've turned this into a Donna support podcast. Yeah, send help. <laughs> uh, before we wrap up this episode, though, let's just talk real quick about the Apple TV. Yes, which I also, I'm making this episode all about me. I yes. just ordered an Apple TV right before this because there weren't a lot of rumors that the Apple TV was going to come out right now. Yeah, so that, I know, it is frustrating. It was sort of a surprise update. Yeah. The good news is what you got is pretty much what is out there now. So this was a very minor update with an exception, which is they lowered their price a lot, which is something Apple rarely does. So I believe the previous version of the Apple, which I did the same thing, I bought it earlier this year, was at 179 Yeah, that was what I paid. And they moved it to 129 mm. So they, they lowered the price a lot. Uh, and it's because it, got, it was getting to a point where it wasn't competitive anymore. Uh, there's so many other streaming options. Most TVs come with, with like smart TV options and you could get a, uh, oops, there is our timer. So I, okay. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so most TVs come with streaming options and Amazon and Google had much more affordable options. So it made sense that, that Apple would lower the price. Uh, and so it's down to 129. It has a better chip. It has an A15 chip, which is ironic because the iPad we were just talking about has an A14 chip. Uh, and it has a few other features that most people aren't going to care that much about. They're a little bit techy. Like it supports a better H. It supports it's HDR10. It supports Dolby Vision. Um, and I think a couple other things. One thing that's notable, just for looking ahead at the future. Uh, it has a USB-C charger for the remote, which I think for most people is whatever, but it's just, I think the time is coming where lightning will be retired. Yeah, thank God. So I would say for this, certainly if you had the last generation, so this is my time to give Donna talk, we'll call it, uh, you do not need to upgrade. This is essentially the same one, but it is a nice update both because it's cheaper and it's thinner too. Oh, Sorry. nice, yeah. Uh, and it's, what I would, the last thing I would say, oh, this one's a, not an insignificant thing though. It supports Wi-Fi 6. 
Oh, so which it's like is way actually faster. a bummer. Yeah. So because one of the things that's frustrating with Apple TV is there can be rendering issues if you like even if you have pretty fast Wi-Fi, it, it can start to buffer and get yeah. a little bit not as good. Oh, bummer. So that is a little bit of a bummer. The last thing I'll say though, because I've talked about this a couple times to insiders and in classes, and I'm always surprised how few people have Apple TVs. I love my Apple TV. I cannot emphasize enough how great the Apple TV is. Uh, I think it is so much better than Kindle, than Amazon or Google's options. And especially if you are in the Apple ecosystem, everything works so well. It's so seamless. I really recommend you buy this. And this is the right one to get because it's 4K. So I, I think even though it's not a major upgrade, if you do not have an Apple TV, I really recommend it. Yeah, I wish I'd waited, but... It's okay. You basically it's have the, the, the same one and yeah. you have a really excellent one and I did the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, availability. We should talk about that real oh, quick. Sure. Um, with the new iPads, um, they are available. Shoot, let me pull up. I remember it being like, I thought next week sometime. Um, iPad. I can, I'm staring at Apple TV, so I'll tell you pre-order <laughs> is now and uh, it's available on November 4th. Oh, okay. That's Apple TVs. That's for the Apple TVs. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, well, we will include it in the show notes. We will make you wait as we look it up. But thank you all so much for joining us this week for the iPhone Life podcast. We'll be back next episode. By then, I'll have made a decision on which new iPad I want to buy. Make sure to email in and let us know which <laughs> one you're planning to buy or which one you think I should buy if you're not planning on buying one yourself. Podcast at iPhoneLife.com. And Apple, the iPad Pro is available on 1026. Okay, 1026. And if you're an insider, stick around. Yes. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. All right. We have some complaints and learning. I'm very excited for my complaints and learning Ooh, this okay. Week, let's hear it. So we talked about this a little bit last episode, but I wanted to look into it once I had my new iPhone to make sure. And that's about the new iPhone camera that supports up to 48 megapixel resolution. Yes. So it... I did confirm that if you don't change any of the settings, you're not taking 48 megapixel photos. Okay. Actually, it's doing, um, you have to enable Pro Raw. And even once you enable Pro Raw, you'll have an option to set it to 12 megapixels or 48 megapixels from there. Mm -hmm. And so only if you do turn on Pro Raw and then switch it to 48 megapixels, that's what will allow you to take advantage of the new camera. Otherwise, you're still just taking regular 12 megapixel pictures. Now, I guess I have some questions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is it because I know that they the way they explained it in the in the announcement was complicated. It was this whole it's a 12 megapixel camera, but we're capturing 48 megapixels of data and it's a better photo. Mm -hmm. And I didn't quite understand it all because it was very technical. But it strikes me as are you sure you're not getting still getting a much better photo than you would have on the 13 Pro, even though it's not technically 48 megapixels. So I do think you're right. The um, like the light capture is still better, and it's that whole technology that they're calling quad pixel. Yes, where you like you're getting a lot of the information all combined into one pixel, as opposed to separated out to four pixels. But still, looking at side by side pictures, um, just testing it out myself, and then also looking at um at reviews online when you zoom in on a picture where you've turned on pro raw and enabled 48 megapixels the detail is like way 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 better really? yeah so you are um 
you are missing out on on a lot if you don't turn that on. The only thing is, I'm curious what that's going to do for my story. That was my next follow up question. Is because 48 megapixels. Like, to me, I wonder if it's gratuitous. Like, is it too much? And you're going to limit. You're going to take up so much storage. I did get the 256 gigabyte. <laughs> um, phone for this reason because i wanted to be able to like take advantage of the new camera it might still be an issue even with that amount cloud no i'm worried about cloud it's the clouds because you have now most of your photos are stored in the cloud not locally but i have an apple one account with my family that we have like two terabytes of iCloud space that we're not even close to yeah, reaching. Talk, like this is the thing talk to me in two three years i know and, and my dad is also using this yeah okay so but this is good information i mean so did you turn it on you did turn it on i did turn it on so can you tell us how to do that yes so you go to settings camera uh and then i believe it just says by the way in the settings app you have to scroll down a weird amount of like to find camera it's like that's funny hard to find anyway so settings camera then Pro Raw, I believe. I just did this yesterday. Oh, formats. Okay. Then you toggle on Pro Raw, and right below it, it says Pro Raw Resolution, and you just make sure that's the check mark is by forty eight megapixels. Okay. All right. So I- settings, camera, formats. Apple Pro Raw toggled on. Wow, that is bizarre. I mean, the fact yeah. that they bury it so much leads me to believe that they don't think the trade-off is worth it. I know, and that is like an interesting point because um it de- like with the whole quad pixel technology, it does sound like Apple is trying to like kind of find the trade-off between taking a better picture but also preserving some of your space and not creating these huge files. In general in the past, we haven't recommended people turn on Pro Raw because like the main benefit is for editing later, which it's like for more kind of professional level editing mm-hmm. um, controls that like the average person doesn't even like know what they mean. Um, so I don't know. I've decided to start out with this because I want ideally to be getting the best photo possible, but I might roll it back depending on what my experience is. So, but I thought it was like something it's, it's kind of one of those weird things that Apple's not really openly advertising or telling you about. And I thought it, so I thought it was like a good learning to share with you all because it's kind of it's kind of weird it is weird that there is a way to take much better photos that apple doesn't it almost is like hiding yeah yeah and, but they also hype so much yeah being like we have a 48 48 megapixel megapixel camera, which and, is buried in settings yeah that you're not going to be using if you like don't specifically turn it on yeah i agree i it's a good learning yeah. and i i'm now torn i because you know me. Now I'm like, well, I could take better photos. How would I not? Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Well, I'll have, to, I'll have to report back if I decide to turn this on. Yeah. Uh, my complaint of learning, it's of relearning. So this is something that I once knew, forgot about, and then rediscovered, but was really happy to rediscover it. So every once in a while, I'll bring these because I think it's nice to resurface them if they're really useful. Um, you know, the classic example is uh if you this is not my learning but this is one that i brought up a while ago and everybody had forgotten about if you tap the top of the screen you can scroll all the way back up to the top yeah i love that it's one of those little things that is so useful and is easy to forget but what i discovered this time is that you can create your own stacks of widgets um i'm assuming you knew this yeah I you use have widget stacks. St- okay so yeah. i was not using it i'd sort of forgotten that it existed i have on my home screen i have uh I had an audible widget because I listen to audiobooks a lot. And then I thought, well, I can't decide because I also listen to podcasts a lot. Which one do I use more? 
And so what I did is I created a smart, I created my own stack of widgets with Audible, Podcast, and Spotify. And I love it because I'm always cycling between the three of them. And so being able to cycle between them on my smart widget has been really useful. That's, I, I love my widget stack because okay. it's like one of those things when I first created, I'm like, oh, is it going to like bury the widgets I want to use though? But you just like flip through it really easily. And it's really nice just like having them there, but not taking up your entire display with widgets. So I, I have a companion complaint with this, but okay. I actually, before I get into that, what is your widget stack What's that my you love? Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's go through. I manually created mine also. Yeah. Um, I've got the weather. <laughs> I <laughs> do you have, have wind speed? <laughs> oh, I do have wind speed. Overcast, which is a podcast player That's I like. That's what I have, yeah. I have pedometer plus plus, which shows me my daily steps. Okay. Um, I have Coinbase, which is kind of random because like for a minute I was into buying crypto <laughs> and like never check on it. Um, I have my calendar, which is nice to see my upcoming stuff for the day. And then I have this um, habit tracker app called Done which has like my each week I'm trying to be like eat healthy and get like good sleep and spend alone time, like different things I'm working on. And I can like go in and I feel um, like we need a separate section of the podcast called better living with technology. And it's just Donna's self-improvement with her iPhone. Yeah, My daily affirmations <laughs> yeah. and me like trying to you get my to, life together. Yeah. <laughs> it could be called Donna's trying to get her life together section. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> which is, I also would like to get my life together. I just don't try as hard. <laughs> Thanks, David. Yeah, I had to, I had to, to be turn like, a negative I'm not into a making fun of you here. I actually really appreciate all of your technology <laughs> solutions for this because I don't have them. So what are yours again? So I'm doing something actually pretty radical. I don't know oh. that I have shared this with everybody yet. I am, my entire home screen is widgets. Oh. Except for my bottom bar. So on my top, I have a, a smart stack that is curated for me by Apple. That just whatever oh. Apple feels like putting, I have. So I guess that's different. Like I, mine is a manual stack. And then underneath it, I have two manual stacks. One is the weather, which is just always there. The other is the... Wind speed? <laughs> it, it does not have wind speed. I care little about wind speed it turns out this is one of the key differences of us is our passions for wind yeah <laughs> um i was about to start to analyze that and i was like you know what we don't need to yeah uh and then i have a smart stack or a stack that i built which is i just told you guys about it has all three it has podcast music and audiobooks and then i have underneath it's the siri search one where it basically just brings up my most commonly used apps oh that bottom is a widget i was gonna say it's like, confusing because yeah. it doesn't look like a widget um i think a lot of people hate it because it's always random which apps are there and where they yeah. show up but somehow i like it i don't know why but i just enjoy it it ends up being apps you actually want to use and it ends up like i don't have to think about it but it'll bring up apps if i start to use it more it'll start to show up there more huh which i like so that's what i have um oh are you ready for my bonus complaint though yes apple works so hard to try to show me photos from my past when I don't want to. Yeah. So I created this smart stack or no, it wasn't a smart stack. I created a stack with the, that I was talking about with my music, my podcast and my audiobooks. And it by default turns on a like little setting that says recommend other widgets. And it just throws in the photos widget. Every time I create a stack, it just throws in photos widget, even though I don't want it, because Apple just, I mean, it's like a meme at this point that Apple just has this really funny tendency. Their AI just tends to show you photos that are like weird photos from past lives that you don't want to be like looking at your exes. You don't want your ex on your phone all the time. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Let's call it what it is. <laughs> yeah. So Apple just keeps trying to 
put photos of my ex back on my like screen and I don't know why they're so proactive in doing this. So did you already do the thing where in the photos um, people album that you like went and did recommend less? I did do that. So it's less of that problem now. And even so, I just it's just always I don't need those photos because they're outside of my control. I don't know what photos are going to show up. And I don't yeah. like to be surprised by random photos on my homepage. So just to share this with all of you, if you go open the photos app, go to albums and then go to people or people in places and below the see people. So if you find like a person, whether it's an ex or just someone in general, you don't want like Apple to be serving up photos to you of if you tap on them, there'll be the option to hit the little three dot more menu and then say feature this person less. It is strange that Apple just doesn't let you say like, don't feature this person at oh, all. Oh, I think there is a don't feature them at all right no? now, right? Really? Um, I could have sworn there was because I could have sworn that I, I did less and then I actually was like, actually, not at all, please. Well, So you can do a feature this person less or the other option I'm seeing is remove this person from people, but that uh, doesn't remove the no, photos. So yeah. They could also easily still be serving okay. them up to you. So it is weird that it's less. I think maybe they say that because it's like sometimes... They'll accidentally, it'll like, they'll be in a background of a photo and Apple's like, we can't guarantee you will never see this person again. Yeah, I think that's probably what it's about. But, you know, what if you do like a photos widget, this will be an issue because Apple's randomly showing you photos. But it's not only that, it's also in the For You tab in the Photos app. It's like there's Apple will like feature photos and memories and things like that for you. So if you are trying to avoid being like reminded unwantedly of certain people, mm-hmm. you might want to go into your people album and choose people that you want to see less of. Yeah. Cause I found it to be pretty effective. It's not perfect, but it did like stop certain people from popping up very okay. often at least. Okay. But yeah, I don't use the photos widgets either. I just don't like, this feels a little, I don't trust Apple's AI enough. It feels out of my control. One thing I do like though, is the iOS 16 lock screens. I use photo shuffles and with that, it lets you specifically choose the people that you want in your photo shuffle. So I can have a photo shuffle of like my niece and nephew. It feels very uncontroversial and I'm going to be happy about it, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I actually went and turned that back on. I had it off for a while because I felt a little... It was just, it wasn't, I, you could control the people, so it was fine, but it was just weird to look at my screen and be like, a portrait of Sarah. And yeah. I'm like, why do I, I love Sarah. We I, we made this joke last week, actually. Yeah. So yeah, I actually turned it back on though. So I'll you report did? back. Yeah. Okay. Because yes. I got bored. I found that for some reason, it cycles through the same photos over and over. It does. It's not perfect. Yeah. But yeah, but we should, you have to go. I <laughs> we were We recorded this up podcast on a deadline um, for David's next appointment, but I think we've covered it all in. Anyway. I think we did. Lots of complaints, lots of learning. Thanks for sticking with us, everybody. Yeah, and thanks so much, Insiders, for being part of our community. Um, it's so wonderful having all of your support and hope you've been enjoying all the latest content on the new iOS and, um, you know, with macOS Ventura and the iPad guide coming up soon. We are excited for all the stuff we have coming your way. Thanks, everyone. Bye.